Hello and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm your host, Ellie Krieger, and today I'm talking with Jean Chatsky, an award-winning journalist, New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author, and fierce advocate for financial literacy. She is the founder and CEO of HerMoney.com and the host of the podcast, Her Money with Jean Chatsky. She's here to help us enhance our overall well-being by improving our financial well-being. Her one real good thing to get us there is track your spending. Listen. Jean Shatsky, it is so good to have you here. I have admired your work for so long and listened to your work and listened to your sage advice for so long. And it's just always on point. And I really appreciate all the good work that you do and happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be here. Besides talking about money, I think talking about food is my favorite thing. And so um, I have cooked from your recipes so many times. And your breakfast strata, by the way, is like my favorite thing to serve to a crowd. So thank you for that. And thank you for having me. Oh, that makes me so happy. There's some joy I get no matter what, it never goes away. From hearing that I'm in people's kitchens like that, it's this beautiful pleasure that I get when somebody tells me that they like to make my meatloaf or my breakfast strata or whatever it is. It's really, it never gets old. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, So on this podcast, we haven't really talked much at all about financial well-being. And so I'm really excited to dive into this topic. And your one real good thing is to track your spending. So I'm really curious to hear from you. Why did you pick this one thing? Because there's probably a million things people could do to better their financial and personal well-being. And I, I also wanted to explore in that. So why did you pick track your spending and and explore a little bit about how this connects back to well-being in general? Sure. So I mean, I, I love that you're discussing financial well-being because I feel like I've been watching financial wellness sort of live on the precipice for a decade. And all of a sudden, it's a thing. Like people are accepting that when you look at the four dimensions of wellness, the physical, social, mental, that financial is one which was not the case not too many years ago. And it is one that we don't really like to talk about. It's one that not enough feel, not enough of us feel skilled enough to deal with in our everyday lives. And the reason for that is because there are so many elements of finance that are out of our control. Right. When we think about inflation and interest rates and the markets, I can't do anything about any of those. I pick track your spending because I can control it and you can control it. And actually, if you put yourself in a position where you are controlling it, the dominoes start to line up and the rest of your financial life comes along. And so I think it's the best place to start. It's simple as well. 
but it's not necessarily easy. So we can talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's you bring up so many things that, that are, are worth diving into here, even before we get into the logistics and specifics of tracking your spending. Um, because when you say that there are so many things out of our control, but this is something you can control, I mean, that's in general about so much of health and well-being. We have genes that we're dealing with that are with genetic predispositions to things. We have, you know, familial pressures and different aspects of our well-being that we really don't have control over. And then there are the things that we can control. And so when you do harness those things, you feel better in your life. You have a more of a sense of calm and steady. And it sort of becomes this even thread of like, okay, I am. I am pulling the strings that I can pull and 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 making the best of my situation, whatever that may be. So I think it's so interesting how that pertains to financial well-being. And I think there's also this notion of talking about it and facing it versus brushing it under the rug, which I think you kind of alluded to the idea that talking about finances or thinking about it just feels maybe too overwhelming or feels like a taboo topic. And so we just don't talk about it and we push it under the rug. And that never seems to be a good solution to anything when it comes to health. No. And and I have believed for a long time that health and money are inseparable at this point. And if you're if you're not healthy, if you're dealing with a situation in your life where your health is going in the wrong direction, it is eventually going to take down your finances. And if you don't have your financial life moving in the right direction, it's really hard to stay healthy. And so you need both. The, the good news about deciding to focus on one of these elements that you can control and leaning into it is that once you show yourself that you can do it in one area of your life, the others tend to come along for the ride. I did a program years ago for Oprah called The Debt Diet, where we helped people who had serious debt work work the problem, chip away at it, pay it down, and, and solve so that they could move their life on in a better direction. And we had a million viewers on the debt diet with us. They all lost weight, not all, <laughs> but many of them lost weight. And it was, we, we started to notice that many of them were telling us that they were losing weight. And in part, it's because we spend way too much money on food. And when you start paying attention to your spending, you start paying attention to your eating. But it's also this control element that when you are exercising your willpower in a smart and efficient way, you realize you've got willpower to do other things too. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's funny. There's a nutrition, my master's is in nutrition education, and there's a very core center to helping people make changes in their life. And it's about tapping into self-efficacy is what the like mm -hmm. formal name. And it means like, oh yes, I can do something about this. I feel like I can do something. So like, so that's really very central to all the changes. And that's really the concept between this, the concept of this whole uh, podcast, because it's one real good thing. And so each episode indeed is one thing, but now we have 
this is the 50 something episode and now we have 50 something things. So it really does snowball and in such a way that's very doable. So let's dive into tracking your spending. I have to admit to me, when I hear this, I feel like, ugh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Nobody wants to do it. No, <laughs> nobody wants to do it. But if you don't do it, then I can pretty much guarantee you have no idea where your money is going. Um, just like if you're not keeping a food diary at the beginning of trying to embark on a new eating program, you probably have no idea how many M&Ms you're, you're throwing down over the course of a day or whatever your, your weakness happens to be. And you don't have to do it forever. And there are tools and technology to help you. So you can track your spending by using an app. There are lots of apps out there like, like Mint and Personal Capital and Digit. There, there's a ton of different apps that will help you tra- track your spending. You can really aggregate all the money that you're spending um, using the tools of one bank and then follow your flows of cash by following your online bank account, right? You can use your debit card and um, and pay attention that way. You can use pencil and paper. You can just keep all your receipts and write down everything that you spent at the end of the day. Because of the way that money moves these days with Venmo and with swipes with your phone, you really have to make sure that you're counting those things as well, right? When you order up an Uber, you're not going to necessarily see that money vanish, but you got to count it. Um, and then the, the amazing thing is once you get a week or preferably a couple of weeks to a month of tracking, you start to see where your money is going. And every person that I've coached through this has a moment where they realize, oh my God, I spend so much money on my dog. No idea. I spend so much money. Usually it's food. Usually it is takeout and and groceries and inflation has only made it worse. But sometimes, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's something that you, that you didn't expect. I, I, um, I have a son who's 28 years old and when he um, moved across the country, got a job, he he very quickly realized that he was spending outside his limits. And he asked me if, if we could make a budget. And I was so proud that he even would ask. But I had him track his spending. I made him sort of track his spending for a month. And then I said, okay, and we will sit down and we will look at where your money is going and what we can do about that. So he did the exercise and we sat down together and he said, I need $250 a month for Uber. And I said, Jake, you have a car. And he said, yeah, I have a car. But when I go out with my friends on the weekends, we drink and we don't drive. And I said, you need $250 a month for Uber. So let's find that money. And, and because he had all the pieces, all the information to the puzzle at that point, we moved things around. We freed up other expenses and we, we found that. 
and we found some money to put into a Roth IRA at the same time. So it puts you back in the driver's seat of your financial life to know where your money is going because otherwise it's just it's just being swiped and dipped and tapped away. And there's something so empowering about making that decision in a conscious way. Like you may somewhere in your mind know, oh, I spent another 30 bucks on an Uber. That's just terrible. But now you can say, hey, this is in my budget. I'm making this decision because this is important to my ultimate well-being of not driving when I'm drinking. And that's part of your value system and, and your priority. And I think there's something really important about and you have an article about this on your website her money which i loved and it's a, it's called a spend your values and so i think your son is making that decision like his value is clearly not to get into an accident and to be safe on the road which is amazing and he's deciding to spend his money accordingly yeah it, exactly this is an exercise that we do so we've we've taken this philosophy and turned it into an 8 week coaching program um that we call finance fix and we we're running these classes all the time you can find them on my website which is called hermoney.com um where we have coaches and and small groups working together to get our get our cash flows straight essentially save more spend less pay down debt and during the course, we we do this exercise in spending your values. It's a slightly different form of tracking. After you do the tracking, you go through and you ask yourself, would I do that again? Would I spend that money again? How do I feel about having spent that money? And when the answer is yes, you know it lines up with what you value. When the answer is eh, uh, not really, then you know that that doesn't line up with your values and hopefully you won't do it again. Yeah. And and the thing is just that awareness of it from this tracking as, as you're saying for your one real good thing. And so you're just to kind of reiterate, you're saying do it for a week, that's going to help, but even better if you can do it a couple of weeks to a month. So it doesn't have to be forever. Now, immediately I'm like, okay, that sounds totally doable. So just do it for one month and just get like that kind of picture. And I think actually, I personally only have to my name, like two credit cards because I like to keep it nice and tight like that. I hate mm -hmm. doing paperwork, but it really helps me with the tracking because everything sort of funnels back to those credit cards. And those credit cards have um, tools that show you the dis where all the um, the money's going. So it seems like not a very difficult thing to do at all if you have things sort of not spread out all over the place. Yeah, no, those 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 tools, there are a couple of different services throughout the country that aggregate spending, right? And they pie chart it for you so that you can see where your where your flows of funds are going. I would suggest sometimes bank data can get a little messy. And so I would suggest just going through and, and double checking that the codes are lining up. I've mm. seen strange things like a dry cleaner that has a name that sounds like a restaurant and it gets put in the restaurant category. Um, so you want to just, you want to just double check. And if you're a user of cash, um, you've got to keep yourself honest as far as your cash is concerned. 
Yeah. So you were saying that some, what are some common things? I think the Uber one is probably very real. I think particularly if you have a 20 something year old, because it was funny. That was the first thing before you even said that about your son. First thing that popped into my mind was looking at my credit card statement of all the Uber rides. And I honestly mostly take the subway and walk everywhere in New York, but I have a million Uber rides and a lot of them, and they were mainly from my daughter. And we wound up having to have a talk because there are certain times of night where I wouldn't want her on the subway and then it's perfectly appropriate and I want her to take an Uber. But there are other times when she could absolutely just get on a bus or get on the train just like mm-hmm. mommy does. <laughs> yes. So, um, My daughter lives in New York City as well. And, um, and we had the same discussion, mostly for her budget, because uh, if she can get herself on the subway or get herself on the bus or walk, it's, it's even better. Um, so just to be conscious that you're not just getting an Uber at, you know, every time you need to go a few blocks, I think is the, is the main thing. Um, for a lot of people, it's, it is this inability to meal plan or menu plan. And your audience, Ellie, I suspect is better at this than most audiences. But when you don't meal plan or when you don't menu plan, you get to 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you think about what you want for dinner, you go to the store and you pick up all the ingredients, including the bottle of thyme that you already have in your pantry and the breadcrumbs that you've only used half of, you just, you just rebuy things and you're not efficient and you uh, make too much in, in quantity. If you can get yourself to do a little bit of the, the kind of meal planning that we did during COVID, because we didn't want to go to the grocery store much, if at all, I, I think you're much, much better off. Yeah, I mean, the the um, bonuses of cooking more at home and planning, to your point, it just, they just keep building really because it's better for you when you're cooking at home automatically, no matter what you're making. Even if you're not making a quote unquote healthy recipe, it's most likely going to be lower in saturated fat, lower in sodium, lower in preservatives better size portions than if you were to go out or order in. Um, it's less waste. So when you order in or you're going out, well, not going out as much, but so much food is wasted, particularly with ordering in. I'm uh, not, not only food, I meant to say, um, packaging. It bothers me so mm-hmm. much when I order in and I'm just throwing out all this plastic from one little meal. Um, and then and then it's also you're saving money. So it just like it adds up to so much when you can just prepare a simple meal for yourself. And I think people get kind of stuck on this notion that every meal has to be so special. It was funny the the other night I made roast chicken, simply roast chicken with roasted broccoli and roasted potatoes. And I literally just had no energy and I just seasoned it with salt and pepper and I stuck it in the oven. And it was delicious and it was perfectly yeah, good. It wasn't like a chef's fabulous meal, but who cares? It was just absolutely satisfying, nourishing, good, and effortless, basically. And so I feel like we can get out of this notion that this has to be hard. <laughs> I mean, it, t- it does take some effort, but it doesn't have to be that hard. 
No, I don't think so. I find it a lot more effort often to go out than just to cook. And granted, I like to cook. So I know for some people to have to, to have to, you know, get a meal on the table, but I don't know. I, I don't find it. I don't find it that difficult. And, and, and I, I, I prefer to be home. Yeah, same. And sometimes I don't feel like it, to be honest, but I find two things really help me kind of glide into it with a little bit of a different mood. And one is just putting on some music <laughs> and two is opening up a bottle of wine and just having a yes. little few sips of wine while I'm cooking. And suddenly the world is a little different. So that may not be the right solution for everyone, but, but I think you can kind of switch your attitude. But um, so, so spending too much money on food and maybe unnecessary, unnecessarily. And even if you go out to eat, I think it's fine and great and inspiring and fun and it's entertainment and it's social, but maybe you're doing it too much. Maybe you're just like leaning on that too much. And I think in New York City, we definitely have that. It seems like, you know, so easy to go out for dinner all yeah. the time. Uh, uh, so, uh, a friend of mine, a, a doctor um, named Mike Roizen, he and I wrote a book together. A oh, while I know back. him. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Mike, um, we, we wrote a book about the intersection of health and finance called Age Proof. And um, he did my spending tracking and he did the spending your values exercise. And what he learned was that he felt he was spending too much on restaurant meals but he liked going to restaurants because that's when he got to socialize with his friends. So the swap that he made was to just step the price of the restaurant down a bit. If you know Mike, you know he orders nothing but salmon ever. And so he he it really didn't matter where he was eating as long as they had some simple salmon dish on the menu and he felt a lot better about all of these restaurant meals because he he basically cut the cost of each of them in in you know by half to a third. Hmm. And there's also some other solutions to be social around food that don't involve eating out, and that's like creating like a kind of rotating cooking club with friends. I know you yeah. can get like four groups of friends together, and everyone takes a turn. So you just have like you do it once a every few weeks, every four or five, six weeks, each person has a turn. So I think that's kind of a fun option to be social and and uh, around food, but without having to go out. Yeah. And the, the thing about this tracking exercise is your, your weak point, for lack of a better word, may not be food and it may not be Uber's. It may be something else. So what it are some other be, common ones? I, I mean, exercise classes, if you're, if you are, um, you know, if you like the boutique exercise classes and you go all the time, you may learn you're spending a lot of money on that. For me, the very first time I did this exercise, I realized how much money I was spending on my hair, which sounds like a ridiculous Thing. But I was doing a lot of TV as as you do, and I would go and get a blowout every time or every other time I was going on television. And I 
added it up at one point and it was you know, thousands of dollars over the course of the year. And I was like, who do I think I am? Right? Like, this is, this is, this is ridiculous. And maybe um, you're also asking yourself, does it really make that much of a difference? Right. You know, so yeah, then you, you know, start to spruce, weigh it. They spruce you up anyway. I mean, my solution to that, actually, I got a really like fancy hairdryer. I got the Dyson Airwrap, which is a, a true luxury. You know, it's a it's a five hundred dollar hair hair dryer. It is ridiculous, but I can now do my own hair and feel good about it. And so, you know, we we figure it out. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Absolutely. And so, I think this ultimately takes stress out of your life. I mean, for me, I think if you know where your money's going and you feel like you have control of it, and you feel like you're making decisions according to your values, and you get into that place, and you buy a even if you're making an investment in something like a hairdryer or whatever it may be, so that you can, you know, make, uh, you can save money ultimately, and you're making those decisions. I think that ultimately connects back to just being happier in your life because you're less stressed about everything. Money stresses us out more than anything else. There is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of research on this. And in part, it's because it's tied to so many other things, um, relationships and career and uh, goals, the big goals that we want to accomplish. I mean, we, we, there is a, a, a huge amount of money stress, but when you are controlling those things that you can control, we feel better and we specifically feel a lot better if we can get our hands around saving. Um, so one really interesting piece of research, this one was done by the folks at Fidelity Investments, um, took a look at, at women and the things that those women who were not stressed out about their money were doing regularly. And they found three of them. Um, one, they were saving at least 10% of whatever they were making. And that I think can include any matching dollars that you get from your employer. Um, but they were they were regularly saving. Um, second, they had a plan. They were uh they were actively setting goals and trying to work their way toward those goals. Um and and third, they uh they did not have high interest rate credit card debt. Credit card debt really stresses us out. And it goes hand in hand with all of these other goals. Once you free up your money because you're tracking and you've decided, well, I'm not going to spend on this or this or this, you know, you want to funnel it against that high interest rate debt. You want to use it to build your emergency cushion um, so that when emergencies hit, because we know they do, you don't feel like you are up a creek. This is just fantastic advice. And I can see very clearly how tracking your spending can help you achieve all of these three things you said, which is saving 10%, having a plan, and not having credit card debt. Um, I, I can see how tracking your spending can be really the first step to getting you there and to get you to spend to your values, to decreasing stress in your life, and just in general, making you a happier person. I mean, I can see how this really could work. Thank you. I, I hope so. I hope it's helpful. It absolutely is. I don't know if there's anything more you would like to add before we wrap up. 
just that we have a podcast too. It's called Hermani. And I hope that your listeners will check it out. And I hope that you'll join us as a guest in the near future. I would love to. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. I hope you're inspired to start tracking your spending for an overall better life. Join me next time for another one real good thing.